So this message that I had this morning, I'm calling it Yours is the Kingdom. Shaka, bam, Holy Ghost, come on. Holy Ghost, come on. So listen, our key verses this morning is going to start out at Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. So if those who are writing notes, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give you the verses, and I've got a lot of stuff to unpack this morning. So we're not going to stay too long, but I'm going to try to unpack what I have. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So, a lot of people, this prayer has been known to be called the Father's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer. But I want to give you a different perspective. Because in, you, you see in this passage, what, what's happening here, Jesus is sitting with his disciples and he's, he's teaching them how to pray. He's teaching them. So it's kind of like if I'm sitting with, 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 our, with a congregation and I'm telling you, okay, listen, when you pray, you want to pray like this. Father, in the name of Jesus who is in heaven. So he's, he's teaching them how to pray. Many people call this the Lord's Prayer, but if we look deeper, we're going to see that the Lord's Prayer is in John 17. So let's turn to John 17 really quick. I'm going to start at verse 1. And Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you here on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you. Listen, hear this part. Which I had with you before the world was. We're going to come back to that later. Before the world was. Come on. So, my message is called, Yours is the Kingdom. So I'm going to ask you guys a question because this is the way the Lord speaks to me and He speaks to me in question form. But I'm going to ask you a question. What is the kingdom? Because... I've been in many circles, I've traveled, and as we go in, everybody has their own picture or understanding of what the kingdom looks like. I've heard things like, oh, brother, that's not kingdom, or hey, brother, that's a, well, yeah, we're a kingdom ministry. And the truth is that many of us don't really understand what the kingdom is. Well, we use the word kingdom because it's something that we were taught, and we think the way it's supposed to look. So, in practical terms, a kingdom is defined as 
the sovereign rule of a king over a territory. He is impacting it with his will, his purpose, and his intent. In a biblical text of the kingdom, it is used by Jesus, and it refers to God's government. It's the government of God. It's God's rulership. It's God's dominion over earth. It's the kingdom. It means God's will will be executed here. God's jurisdiction, heaven's influence, it's God's administration, it's God impacting, and it's God influence. So when we say the word kingdom, that means we're speaking about a heavenly influence. Oh, brother, I'm all about the kingdom. Are you about the kingdom? Are you having a heavenly influence everywhere you go? Being ambassadors of the kingdom of God means to be in a government. It it, it means that we're being a governmental representative. Listen, this is this. This is a whole other lens that I want you to catch today. That you are a representative, what you are, representative of the kingdom of heaven. Second Corinthians five twenty says this. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as through God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, steed, stead, be ye reconciled to God. God is establishing his governmental order here on earth. There is a shifting that God's doing right now. We are heaven's representatives. We are a kingdom council. Come on, think about this. If there's a government, that means there has to have there there has to be a council. Think about it. So we are the we are heaven's council. We are the church. But not church the way that we've known it and the way we were taught. We are the ecclesia. Ecclesia. It's a great question. You see, the church and the kingdom are not the same thing. For a long time, I didn't know that. I didn't know the difference. I didn't. I just thought, well, we're doing kingdom things. We're doing church things. But they're not the same. The kingdom of God is separate from the church, but the church is not separate from the kingdom. Uh, 
We have given a language. As Christians, we have given a language in our language where we have merged the kingdom and church and, and, and Christianity. We have put this all in this one big bubble, and we think it all means the same. And we, we, we've been, we've got it wrong. We've had it wrong. This is why you hear the churches and pastors and leaders, they say things like the kingdom. You see, the kingdom was in the very beginning. It existed before the church. That's what we read, what we read a little while ago in John 17. He says, before the world, before the world, So we're going to talk about the church a little bit. Holy Ghost. We're going to turn to uh, Ephesians 3 because there's a statement in Ephesians 3, verses 9 through 12. And it says this, in verse 9, and to make see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. Verse 10. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church the principalities and the powers and the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. What this means is this, that the ministry of the church was to make known the manifest wisdom of God. To make known his wisdom here on earth. That's what the church is for, to make heaven known. This is important. This is, we have to grasp that. Because, see, we are the church. The church is not a building. This is not, listen, this is just a building with four walls and some carpet. This is not the church. It was probably a restaurant at one time. I know many, many years ago, downstairs was a nightclub. What? Hey. But it's just a building. The church is the ecclesia. You and I are the church. You know what ecclesia means? It means the called out ones. Oh, kick that out the park. The called out ones. We are the church. You, right now, you watching online, you are a called out one. Man, that's powerful. God chose you before the world. Come on. Can you imagine? I love that. What it was 
the scripture where he says, and they, they had a conversation, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, with, with God and God and, and Holy Spirit and Jesus. They're, they're having a conversation about us. Let us make them in our image. Whew. Come on. We are the called out ones. So Ephesians 9 and 10 is saying that you and I, the sons and daughters of the king, are to make God's manifest, manifold wisdom known here on earth. I want to read this again because this is powerful, okay? Verse 9, to make all seen what is the fellowship of the mystery. Come on. He wants to make known the mystery. That's what he's saying. I want to make known the mystery, the mysteries of God, the mysteries of heaven, things that you don't know and you don't see. I want to make it known to who? You, the church. Come on. He says, the mysteries which from the beginning of the ages, things that have been hidden. Come on, there's treasures of heaven that nobody has tapped into. That the Lord is saying, listen, I want you to come in and I want to give you the mysteries. I have treasures in heaven that nobody has seen. There's songs and music and and creativity that's in heaven that he wants us to tap into. Can you imagine being just being that, that you got a cable, you're like... And they're like, oh, like the Matrix. Oh. Your eyes figuring backwards. and Right? Powerful. He says that to intent now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Oh, Jesus. You know, you can't go to church. You can't go to church, but the church can gather. Right now we're having church. Why? Because the church is gathering. We have assembled. The ecclesia has come together. The called out ones, the chosen ones, the remnant have come and they have gathered. Why? Because heaven is here. Yours is a kingdom. Come on, we sing it. Do we know what we're singing? Listen, oh, the church, (laughs) Jesus. We are the chosen ones by God, and we will stand as ambassadors because we will represent the kingdom that we are from. Jesus. See, an ambassador from the kingdom of heaven, we have, we have a straight connection to heaven. As ambassadors, why? Because what an ambassador does, he goes and he speaks on behalf of the king. He speaks on behalf of the nation. And when an ambassador goes into a region, if they plant an embassy, that becomes a sovereign ground. You've heard me say this before. It's sovereign ground. And that land now becomes a territory of the kingdom, of the nation of which they belong. And wherever that nation is, the rules apply to that region. 
you know, I, I think about our cultures and our Hispanic cultures and I might be jumping ahead of myself. I'm, I'm a, hmm. I think about like things that we do in our culture, Hispanic. We call people mija and mijo. Y'all may not understand that here in Ohio. You don't, okay? But in Hispanic culture, when there's young, younger children or youth or younger, you know, it's like mijo means like, like it's kind of like it's a love endearment. Like it means like love, like, like son or daughter or, or kind of like it's an endearment. When you hear somebody say, I remember we had one, of our, one, one little boy one time and Alice was saying, oh, come over here, mijo, come over here, mijo. And the little boy just kind of like, finally he got fed up with it. And he went up to her and he says, my name's not mijo. <laughs> but, it's, but it's true, but because our culture, that's the way we show love. That's the way we showed honor. To, for us to call you mijo or mija means that we love you. That's what it means. And I, know, I remember I was in India. They call everybody in India, they call them biha or baha or whatever, which meant the same thing. That's their love entanglement. You know, so you see the culture of the Hispanics. It's like, what do they eat? They eat menudo and barbacoa. That's what's in their culture. And then you go to India, you go to London. I was in London. What do they? They drink tea and they drink tea all day. Would you like to have a cup of tea? No. Can you bring me some coffee? You know. But they drink tea. I remember I was preaching one time, and we had we had we had five sessions. I mean, we we preached from. At 10 in the morning, then I preached again at, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, then I preached again at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and then again at 7 o'clock. I mean, we preached like five times a day for like 14 days, nonstop. And every time they broke, they wanted tea. Would you like some tea, Pastor? But because that's the culture. And see, what happens is, the culture will influence the region. That's why they drink tea. Why? Because a long, long time ago, and I'm not a history teacher, so I'm going to mess all this up, I'm sure. But a long time ago, there was somebody, probably a king, who liked tea. And when he sent the soldiers to go and settle in a land, they started setting up tents. And then the king would come to the tent, and he would set up shop. And inside the tent, they would create the tent to look exactly like his palace. Because they wanted to look like where they were from. So where they were was exactly where they were from. Are you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> so they wanted it to look like where they were from. So they drank tea. So now, 
because the culture influenced what happened. So now they drink tea till this day. That's why you go to Mexico, they drink what they drink till this day. Right? Why does Chicago have the best pizza? I don't know. But somebody came and planted the best pizza. So I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just getting examples. We're going to have pizza afterwards. No, I'm just kidding. That's a long drive. Holy Ghost. Jesus. Oh, I don't know where I went on the rabbit trail there, but. Holy Ghost. So, Matthew, let's go, let's turn to Matthew 16. Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. You're so good, God. You're so good. <clears throat> Matthew 16, verse 13 and 18 says, When Jesus came into the region of uh, Caesarea and Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am, the Son of Man? Wait, who do men say that I am, the Son of Man? Am, son of Man? Am? So they say, so they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, the other said Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, and you got to say, he said it boldly. You got you know, he said, you are the Christ, son of the living God. Come on. Now listen. You know what that statement, that statement right there, what that statement means is this. It means you are Lord. When he said you are Christ, the son of the living God, he's saying you are the Lord from God. You see, in a kingdom, there can only be one Lord. Come on, listen. He was even establishing the kingdom right there. He's, he's telling them. Peter was saying, you are Lord from God. Then Jesus answered to him and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then he goes on to say this. And I also say to you that you are Peter. Pay attention to this. And on this rock, I will build my church. Listen. On this rock, what he's saying, look, Peter, heaven revealed this to you. And because it was revealed to you on this revelation... I'm going to build my foundation, the foundation on the rock, my church, my ecclesia. 
my kingdom. <laughs> That's exciting. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. His church, as it is in heaven, when he said that I will build upon this rock my church, what he was saying is I'm going to establish with that heavenly revelation that only you can get from the kingdom of heaven, I'm going to establish that truth on that rock, that foundation, and I'm going to build my ecclesia, and I'm going, what he's saying, my ecclesia, and I am going to manifest the kingdom of heaven here on earth, the kingdom of God. Jesus. So let's talk about the kingdom for a second. The kingdom is the governing influence of a king over his territory, producing culture, value, morals, and lifestyles that reflect the king's desire and the nature of its citizens. Come on, that's what we talked about. What, the, what is government? Government is about order. It's about influence, administration, distribution, protection, maintenance. It's about accountability. It's about responsibility. And it's about productivity. That's what government is. So when we say we are a governmental people, it's about all those things. So technically speaking, the government is the person, group, or organization that executes the functions of the governing. We see the government being first established by the command and the mandate of God to Adam. Come on, let's look, picture it. God creates Adam. And he's creating the government of heaven. He puts Adam in the garden. Right? And then what does he say? And then he gives him dominion. He gives him authority. He oversaw the land. He protected the garden. That was the government of heaven being established. You see, religion... Uh-oh, the R word. Religion is what man does until he finds the kingdom. Oh. <laughs> no, there no, no. We we had to get a new one because of that. I'm gonna drop the mic. Okay, got it. Religion <laughs> prepares man to leave earth. The kingdom empowers man to dominate earth. Shake it. Religion focuses on, on, on heaven, 
The kingdom focuses on bringing heaven to earth. Come on. Religion is reaching up to God. God, please, right? The kingdom is God coming down to man. Religion wants to escape earth. Come on, listen. I've been in meetings recently where the whole conversation, Pastor Jeff was with me, where the whole conversation in the room was, they're just waiting for the rapture. They're ready to go. Oh, brother, any time now. You know, and I get it. Religion wants to escape earth. But the kingdom wants to impact earth. It wants to influence, and it wants to change. Are you guys capturing this? Religion seeks to take earth to heaven. The kingdom seeks to bring heaven to earth. This is what Jesus, he addresses the religious leaders in Matthew 23. Let's turn to Matthew 23. Now, this is Jesus. Talking to the religious leaders, and he says this. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in in men's face. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who you are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over the land and the sea to win a single convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. In Matthew 15, verses 1 through 3, he says, Then some Pharisees, And teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus replied, Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Come on, man. Matthew 5.20 says this, For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisee and the teacher of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And then we see in Matthew 21, 31, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. What? What? Let that one, let chew on that one for a minute. What do you mean, God? I've been in church all my life. I got a butt print imprinted on my chair. What? Prostitutes will enter, but you won't. Come on. The kingdom. The key to the kingdom is the influence of heaven here on earth. 
God's original intent was to influence the earth through his sons and his children without him coming. Listen, is this making sense to you guys? I want you guys to grab this. See, it has always been God's intent. The original intent was to influence earth with his family. That's why we are citizens of heaven. You know, you are a citizen of heaven. You are a citizen of actualization. Oh, what? As kingdom citizens, we carry the culture of the kingdom. When we talk, we should sound like our king. We should eat the things that our king likes to eat. We should drink the things that our king likes to drink. We should see how our king sees because we are living a culture of where we are from. The culture of heaven will invade earth. And as it invades earth, the kingdom of God becomes manifested here on earth. See, hmm. so I'm going to ask a question. I don't want you to answer. Nobody has to answer this question. It's a food for thought kind of thing. Are you transforming? Are you impacting? Are you influencing people around you? When you meet people and you're doing life with people around you, do they see heaven's culture coming out of you or do you look like the other world that you came into? Because if you don't look like heaven's culture, what do you look like? Seriously, guys, think about that. Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Conformed to this world means this. Conforming to a worldly belief system. Well, they do it this way, so we just do it that way. Why do you do what you do? I don't know. We've always done it that way. The people that I know, that's the way they did it, so I do it that way. We've conformed to doing the things that we do. I'm not talking about, I'm speaking spiritually right now, of course. But we conform to a worldly belief system and it's a culture that's opposite of the culture of heaven. That's why when it says the renewed mind, it says 
renewing your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The renewed mind is referring to having the mind of your king from where you are from. The mind of Christ. Jesus. We must think how he thinks. That's why when we, we start to, the enemy starts putting thoughts in our head. Oh, you're good for nothing. Oh, you're so dumb. You're stupid. You're ugly. You're this, you're that. None of that is a culture of heaven. And we agree with those lies. We have conformed to what is around us, but we're not of this world. You see, the fall of man wasn't a fall from heaven. It was a fall from the representation of God here on earth. When man fell from dominion over the earth, he lost contact with God. There was a great disconnection. We see in Genesis uh, 1, let's turn to Genesis 1, we're going to go to verse 26. Adam's dominion over earth, okay? Then God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Right there, come on, just that part right there. Let us make man in our image. Just think about that. I love it. I, I just, they're just, I don't know, they're doing their God things. Maybe they were having a cup of coffee because coffee's heavenly, right? <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit. It's it's Jesus. It's the Father. And hey, why don't we make man in our image? Let us make man in our image. And then one was like, "That's a great idea." I'm not an idea. I'm okay. I don't want. Nope, take that back, live stream. I'm not trying, not, I'm not creating a doctrine, but this is just paraphrasing. Oh, Lord, I, I already see it. HeresyHunters.com coming at me. Oh, Lord. Shake it about. Okay, you get what I'm saying, though. That we were on their minds, on their heart from the very beginning, that they would say, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish and the sea, over the birds, over the air, and over the cattle, over the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on earth. Spiders too, yeah. So then God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, listen, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. Who did he bless? Male and female. And then God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And you can only be fruitful and multiply if you're a male and female. And then he says, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion 
over every fish of the sea, over the birds, over the air, and everything that living, everything that moves on earth. When Adam fell, he disconnected himself from the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, from which disconnected him from God. He relinquished his rights and his authority, and he relinquished his dominion over earth. You see, the plan of the enemy hasn't changed. I say this often, and now I want you to hear this. His plan is the same thing. He wants your identity. If he can get you to agree with what he says about you, you'll relinquish the very thing that God called you to be. That's what happened with Adam. That's what happened with Eve. The enemy will rob you of your identity in Christ, and he will clothe you with the lies that will keep you in bondage. He wants, you to get you, he wants you to get your eyes off of who you are and whose you are. You see, the Holy Spirit is man's connection to heaven. When Adam sinned, he became an unholy vessel, and the Holy Spirit could no longer dwell in a holy vessel. So now the question is this. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, are they the same? My pastor used to do that to me all the time. And I would answer, he's like, no. They are not the same. These two places are not the same, nor do they mean the same. The kingdom of heaven is the domain of heaven. <clears throat> it is a literal place where God rules and reigns, and he has complete and total dominion and authority. So the kingdom of heaven is the, a place. The kingdom of God is different. The kingdom of God is any domain or place where the authority of God is in effect. It's wherever and whenever heaven touches. Right now we are ambassadors. And because Jesus inside of us, we can step into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God becomes manifested. The kingdom of heaven. Oh, come on, get, I want you to get this. It's wherever and whenever heaven touches. Heaven's influence will change and influence the territory where God has chosen us to gather. Wherever God's chosen gathers, Wherever God's ecclesia gathers, his church, we get to witness the, the kingdom of God. Because heaven 
touches earth. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I think about it like this. See, God, <laughs> he didn't send our family to Ohio to become what was in Ohio, a Buckeye. No. He didn't send us to Ohio to conform to what was. He didn't send you to a region to become what was already in the region. That's why this is a paradigm shift. It really is. If you understand and the revelation of who you are and whose you are and where you're from, it shifts everything. Everything about you changes. That's why I know that when we come to Ohio, I didn't come to do church. I came to be the church here in this region. I didn't come to, to conform. I came to transform through God. I came to impact. I came to, uh, uh, to, to see heaven touch here on earth so that when we gather the ecclesia gathers. Every one of you are carriers of the glory. Gosh. You are a representative. Representative. It's a tongue twister for me. You are a representative. Oh, I said it again. <laughs> you are a representative of the kingdom of heaven. And everywhere you go, you take dominion over the territory. I'm not talking about being a dominionist or whatever. That's all. I don't even know nothing about that stuff. But I'm talking about exercising the authority of heaven. <laughs> so you can write this down. This is important. The kingdom of heaven is a place. And the kingdom of God is the influence of that place. The kingdom of God exists in heaven because God influences heaven. And if God inside of you Wherever you go, you influence that place because of the God inside of you. Because you are taking dominion. You are taking authority over the region. You are a son because of what Jesus did. Okay, how much time do I got here? I'm almost done, okay. So how old is the kingdom of heaven? That's a good question, right? Well, how old is the kingdom of heaven? Well, let's look at Matthew 25. Verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world.
So who inherits the kingdom? You. <laughs> that wasn't a trick question. I promise you. <laughs> you. <laughs> it's official. Okay. <laughs> you inherit the kingdom of God, Jesus. You are the co-heirs in the kingdom. So how old is the kingdom? The kingdom of God existed before the foundations of this world, before we were even created. Therefore, the kingdom of God existed beyond creation. There was nothing before God. This is good. Matthew 4, 17. Matthew 4, 17. We have that up on the screen yet? I want us to read that together. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has arrived. What did Jesus mean by that statement? He's telling the people, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has arrived. What he was saying was this, because Holy Spirit was upon Jesus, and because Jesus was now there, get this, because the Holy Spirit was upon Jesus, and because Jesus has now arrived, he says, repent, because the kingdom of God has arrived. He's here. Come on, man. I don't, I don't. Ooh, Holy Ghost. Jesus. Because he was there, that means heaven's influence was now on earth because Holy Spirit was now on Jesus, the last Adam. And what Adam lost in the garden, Jesus comes back, and now there's a connection to heaven, and now the kingdom of God is now being able to be established here on earth because of Jesus. Second Corinthians five verse seventeen through twenty-one says this therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are new. All things of are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation to with uh, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now verse 20 says, Now then, we are the ambassadors of Christ, as through God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's state that uh, be ye reconciled to God. 
For he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This means this. Anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person, and the old life is gone. So I'm going to close with this. Matthew 6.10. Holy Ghost. On earth as it is in heaven, the commission from Jesus. Let me read this. In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whatever exists in heaven is a, a hear this. Whatever exists in heaven can be unleashed here on earth. Come on, think about that. Everything that heaven has to offer, everything that heaven has to offer is available to you. We read it in the world. Why? Because you inherit the kingdom. Everything that the kingdom has is yours. God is saying, take dominion. Take authority. Take, take the land. Father, we, we put a stake in the ground. And we say, God, Ohio ablaze. We do it. We can unleash it here on earth. Unleash salvation. Joy. Healing, deliverance, freedom, faith. What about peace? Many believers are walking around being tormented at night. Where's your peace? Father, release peace, God. Your peace, God. Father, your joy. Release your joy, God. Resources. His power. Everything that the kingdom is about, you, you, have, you have available to you. Miracles, signs, and wonders of glory. The power, the presence. His love, his joy, every, everything. Ah. Don't settle for the crumbs of the ground. Don't settle for, for the plate. Come to the Father's table. Eat of the goodness of God. You're better than the scraps. Don't agree with the enemy. Don't let, don't let him lie to you. You're not an orphan. You're a daughter. You're a son. 
You're a king's kid. Yours is the kingdom, God. You are an atmosphere changer. A kingdom lifestyle enables you to walk in the open heavens every day. Let's stand. Father, we thank you, God. Lord, I pray, God, that even now, Lord, this revelation become more real than anything. Father, that they would know who they are, God. Father, they are king's kids, God. They are the royal. They are, they are God, the, the, the ambassadors, God. You have called them, God. They are the citizens of heaven, God. And we declare, God, even now, Lord, open eyes and ears, God, to see and hear clearly, God, what you are declaring over the body this day. God, that we don't, we don't agree with the lies of the enemy, but we agree with what heaven has declared over the body. Sons and daughters, it is time. It is time. The Lord is calling you. There's a dying generation out there waiting to, to know this Jesus that we talk about. You carry the very essence of who Jesus is inside of you. What are you doing with what you've been given? Are you just going to a building every Sunday? Is that, is that the limit of your Jesus? Monday through Saturday, you just do your regular stuff? I'm not, this is not condemnation. I want to provoke your spirit to go higher. Because you are, you are king's kids. You are called to influence. You are called to shift the region. You are called to awaken a generation. God, wake us up, God. Wake up the sleepy ones, God. Jesus, Lord, right now, God. And I just thank you, Father, for a fresh fire, God, an impartation, God, to be released, God, right now. Right now. Sons and daughters, arise. Ha, ha, ha. It's time to arise. Jesus.